This episode is brought to you by TBS. It's October, and that means the MLB postseason is back on TBS. You can watch the biggest and brightest in the American League take the field and battle it out for a spot in the World Series. There will be crazy hits and clutch performances, jaw-dropping action from the Division Series on October 11th, and, of course, you have to watch the crowning of the next American League champion. Catch the best of the MLB postseason all month long on TBS. heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf, hockey, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat to all the action. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap and then sit back and watch your points pile up. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Again, that's promo code THPN only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Monday, February 22nd, a brand new week set to begin. It's Ian Cameron with you in the host chair, as always, joined by Alex B. Smith back after a, a weekend uh, a hiatus, uh, ready to break down the Monday NHL card. And once again, we find ourselves with one of these Monday slates where there's a lot to choose from, which has not always been the case in past years. So uh, let's get to it. We'll start top of the rotation, top of the betting uh, board as always uh, the Calgary Flames taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs Toronto minus 140 to minus 145 home favorites total uh, open six and a half it has been uh, bet down to six in most places right now uh, so be aware there has been a move toward the under uh, the Calgary Flames I, you could understand why there's interest in the under from their standpoint uh, offensively the well has run dry for this Flames team uh, in their last few games uh, you look at these last three losses that they have had, two of them of the ugly variety. Uh, they get beaten 5-1 to one at home by Vancouver. They lose a close one, a tight, low-scoring, tight uh, checking affair against Edmonton on Friday uh, by a score of 2-1. to one. And then they end up getting absolutely blown out, embarrassed uh, in the back end of that double dip in the Battle of Alberta, losing 7-1 to one to the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday night. So, there's clearly issues with the Calgary Flames. Kind of hinted about that on yesterday's show that really there's no facet of their game that is functioning at a very a good level right now. The offense is sputtered. Matthew Kachuk's running around trying to hit every guy out there on the ice and not worrying about trying to produce offensively at the moment for this Flames team. Johnny Gaudreau has gone into a cold spell again. And of course, he had a lot of those last season for the Flames. Started out this season well, but he's cooled off a little bit. You're not really seeing some of the depth forwards that stepped up a little bit offensively for them last year. You know, Michael Backlund has had a tough time. Elias Lindholm's cooled off after a nice start. You're not seeing Dylan Dubé have that offensive surge that he had last year in the playoffs. Uh, it's just a uh, the whole group forward-wise is just not, you know, producing, not delivering the goods right now. It's plain and simple, you know, for this Calgary Flames team. And then you turn it over to the blue line. And I have never seen Calgary in a swatch of games, particularly Saturday, where they're just running around out of position. There doesn't seem to be any plan. There doesn't seem to be any communication in the defensive zone. Like, you have this guy, I'll take this guy. You got guys running around in their own zone, just trying to make a hit, not staying in front of the net, letting guys uh, run straight to the net and get those key high-danger scoring chances in the slot. And you start to evaluate this blue line. Noah Hannafin is tailed off. This is a guy that was a first-round pick. 
you know, the TJ Brody loss is looking more and more impactful with how well he's played in Toronto. Uh, Mark Giordano has had a rough start to the season. And if he's not going, that's real trouble for the Flames on the blue line. Rasmus Anderson has been, I think, arguably you'd say their best defenseman. He's actually been good. But outside of that, you know, this blue line has really struggled. Uh, and Jacob Markstrom spent the first, you know, most of the first month of the season carrying this team. And, and even he hasn't been able to bail them out the last few uh, he'll be back in net tonight. Of course, he was in uh, between the pipes for Saturday's ugly loss. Uh, so he'll be chomping at the bit to bounce back. But I don't know. Calgary's just not playing well. The Vultures are circling around Jeff Ward a little bit. There's some clamoring now for his job security uh, at this point in time. So a lot of problems right now with Calgary. But I do think the spot is a decent one for them. You know, the, you, you got to think there's pride. You got to think there's a team that's embarrassed after the loss on Saturday. I just wish I could trust them more, and I just wish I had more uh, of a will to want to fade Toronto right now, which I don't really necessarily have. Uh, coming off another nice win against Montreal, but again, potential flat spot after a big win against Montreal, and some injuries now for the Leafs going into this game tonight. Zach Hyman won't play. Joe Thornton, who has been a part of that, has been, a, I think, an underrated part of the success that Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner have had. He's fit in very well on that top line with them. He's out day-to-day, -day, won't play tonight uh, due to injury. And Jake Muzzin on the blue line also uh, not playing tonight for the uh, Leafs. So suddenly three starters, three regulars out of the lineup. Calgary team that you would think has got to show some pride. I do lean to Calgary a little bit here, plus 130. But, man, it's tough to back this team. They're just not playing well in any facet of their game. Special teams, offensively, defensively, they've uh, caved in and, and struggled. And Jacob Markstrom hasn't been able to bail them out of that. Having said that, the choice for me would be Flames take a shot with them at the plus price uh, or pass the game. Uh, I'll probably pass, but I would lean a little bit here to Calgary. I do think there's things that set up well for them. And the Leafs, you worry a little after the big win against Montreal, a little bit of a down spot for them, plus the injuries mounting a little uh, with Thornton, Muzzin, and Hyman all out of the lineup. So that does concern you a little bit for Toronto, but I could see Calgary bringing it tonight. And maybe that's enough to maybe get them to a road win here in Toronto. Although they're going to have to play a hell of a lot better in order to actually uh, get the job done. Alex, what's your take here on the uh, flames and the Leafs? Yeah. I kind of looking through some of the numbers and, you know, you look at, you know, first period numbers overall, not just the totals, but just how these teams, uh, you know, start off games. Toronto has been one of those teams that have been absolutely lights out early in games. You've seen them cash the first period, uh, puck line that's something I've played with them a lot over the years. Where Calgary's been a team uh, actually in the negative as far as uh, first periods go, they've, they've tend to end up, uh, you know, going into the intermission uh, either trailing or tied. Uh, but you know, like I said, the way that uh, Calgary's playing right now, we should be seeing their best effort. Still don't think that's going to be enough right now to play this Toronto team that's been absolutely insane. Uh, Austin Matthews living up to the hype and exceeding it uh, the way he's been playing right now. I mean, he's you know pretty much you know, a two point a game guy, a goal a game guy right now. And that's uh that when you have him rolling with every, you know, like I said, yeah, you're missing Thornton who has become a key piece, uh, you know, in the times that we've seen him play I'm missing Muzzin, Wayne Simmons still out with a guy who was, had been hot for a while. Uh, I think the you know, Toronto team still pretty loaded and the form that Calgary's in right now in, in short form, it's just not good. You mentioned on, on all facets and all levels right now. So I'm going to take a shot once again with Toronto first period puck line. So laying the goal, or laying the half a goal, sorry, at plus 140, you can find plus 145. That's a really good price. Usually uh, you find that in the plus 110, 120 range because they'd be much higher favorites uh, more often than not. But, uh, you know, as far as full game goes, I might look at jumping something in game. If Calgary does put forward their best effort early, then they might be a team to look at, you know, if, even if they're down a goal, could possibly come back. Uh, but right now, I think Toronto, at least in the first 20 minutes of play, will probably dictate the pace. All right, so maybe you look Toronto here uh, first period to maybe uh, carry that momentum forward from uh, a big win against Montreal. And again, Calgary uh, reeling quite a bit right now. Uh, Dallas and Florida, we've got the uh, Florida Panthers minus 120 uh, home favorites here, five and a half the total in this game. Uh, the Florida Panthers, I think I think the loss to Detroit you know, on Saturday, I think you can excuse that a little bit for this uh, Panthers uh, team. You know, it's, we're talking about a team that's had a lot of big games, a lot of good competition, a lot of games that they wanted to raise their level and show to the NHL world that, hey, we can beat the Tampa Bays. We can beat the Carolinas of the world. And sure enough, they did that. They beat Tampa twice. They beat Carolina uh, in overtime a, a week ago, and they absolutely pounded Detroit. And 
in the first of the two games against the Red Wings. And then you're playing that same Detroit team again. And you could tell the, the, just the team was not locked in. And, and they got to give some credit to Detroit. You always have to give some credit to the team that wins the game. But th there's no doubt the Florida Panthers' passes weren't crisp. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of flow uh, offensively. And usually when you lose that rhythm offensively, like when you go from all the offensive rhythm that, and uh, the ability to score goals in bunches that the Panthers have, and then all of a sudden in that one game against Detroit, you don't have it. That speaks volumes, I think, about how the fact the team it was just not totally locked into that uh, particular uh, game, the second of the two back-to-backs against the uh, Red Wings uh, over the weekend. Uh, I think they'll be better here. They've been absolutely money in the bank, the Panthers, off a loss. In fact, I'm pretty sure they haven't dropped two straight games this season, uh, this Panthers team. I'd expect them to be a lot better here. And current form-wise, it's definitely – you got to – See, uh, see that the Panthers are certainly uh, the team that's played better hockey of late. Dallas, of course, has been off now for several days. They've had games postponed due to the snowstorm that has uh, ripped out power throughout the state of Texas. You know, there's people in that state that have had to struggle to get not only power, but, uh, you know, clean water for crying out loud in their homes and food on the table. I mean, it's been that much of a devastating uh, crisis going on in that state. Now, I know Dallas is going on the road for this game, but the Stars players, coaches, they live in that area. They're experiencing some of this that's going on there. It's a distraction. It certainly can't help focus for a particular, you know, to play a hockey game potentially. I think it does help them that they're on the road. They're not playing in Dallas where, you know, the situation is still very prevalent where it's present at that time. But still, I mean, it's got to be weighing on the mind of a lot of these players what's going on back in their the state uh, where, uh, of their team. Uh, and you just got to worry about that a little bit here. So that's just an intangible that probably doesn't go in Dallas's favor either in this game tonight. So you got Dallas hasn't played in a while. You worry how sharp they're going to be. You worry that maybe they've got at least some part of their minds on what's going on back home in the state of Texas right now with that devastation caused by the snowstorm and the power outages in that state. Uh, and the second thing is Florida's been good off the loss. Florida's in better form. I don't know. To me, I'm going to lay minus 120. The price to me looks perfectly reasonable here uh, on this Florida Panthers team. Looks like they're going to go back to Chris Drieger in that as well. And it's hard to uh, argue with that. He's been pretty solid. They haven't really uh, let Bobrovsky uh, run with this number one job. Joel Quenville says it's going to be back and forth, and he's stuck to that uh, so far this season. So I like Florida here. I do lean a little to the over as well. I like the over at five and a half here. And I also like the over in a game where Florida only scored one goal. They've been pretty good after getting held down one game to really bounce back offensively the next. So I like the Panthers and I like over five and a half here against the Stars. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts here? Dallas, Florida. Yeah, like I said, the, you know, the mindset of Dallas has to be, uh, you know, questions for sure. Obviously, just going back to how the season started with the COVID issue and they, you know, had to delay it and they were able to bounce back from that. Uh, and then go on a five-game losing streak and now run into these issues, like you said, with, you know, uh, all the devastation and, and things that are going on in, in, in throughout the state of Texas. Uh, so now they have to worry about that. And like I said, leave home. It's probably a better spot for them leaving home than, than being there. But either way, like I said, it's still going to be on, on the back of their mind. For Florida, like I said, Chris Drieger has been uh, uh, a bright spot. You know, we, we didn't really expect him to kind of you know, step up in this way. We always thought, you know, Borowski was going to be the clear cut number one starter, but like I said, coach Q has really given him some chances. And uh, right now, if I had to look at anything, it would be the over here in this game. Uh, and that's simply just because of how Florida's playing offensively. They're going to give up some goals. But they're definitely going to score some on their own. You just worry about if Dallas can get in rhythm uh, and help chip things out. So maybe even look at Florida team total over. Uh, I, I like where their offense is, is headed right now. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go official with the Florida team total over. Uh, I have to check the exact price on that and uh, a lean with the full game over. All right. Lean to the full game over, but Alex is going to make an official play. The uh, Panthers uh, team total in this one. Uh, I'm going to look that up myself uh, right now, but we'll get that number for you. And yeah, Florida has been very good off a loss, been better offensively as well in those games where they lose the previous game. I mean, we even saw that. Uh, we've seen that a bunch of times, you know, the first loss they had to Tampa Bay and they bounced back the very next game. What they put a six spot on the board. Uh, against the Lightning in that one. Yeah, the uh, Panthers team total over two and a half minus 140 uh, is what we're looking at here with the uh, Panthers team total. So yeah, all they need to do is get to three goals. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. you got it. I think that's a that's reasonable expectation, I think, with what we've seen from the Panthers. And, you know, John Huberto to score a goal. I mean, can't argue with that. I, I, we should have mentioned it in the last game, Austin Matthews. I mean, to score a goal or to score two or more, 
I think you got to bet that prop every game until this point streak uh, stops. And by the way, I posted this on Twitter. He is two games away from tying and three games away from passing. Daryl Sittler, and believe it or not, Eddie Olchek. Yeah, that Eddie Olchek, NBC analyst, uh, for the longest consecutive game point streak in Toronto Maple Leafs history. You know, people are people were when I mentioned that people were said, "Oh, it's not shocking that Sittler, you know, has uh, got the uh, team franchise record for consecutive game point streak." People are a little more surprised about Eddie Olchek, I think, because you know, not quite the offensive player Sittler was, and also playing on the Leafs when they were really bad. You know, he played yeah. on the Leafs in the late eighties, and that was a disaster era for the Toronto Maple Leafs franchise. And yet, there he is, tied with Sittler. Longest consecutive game point. He put up points. I mean, he actually carried the leaps at times in the late 80s. Edzo. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting, too, because that was a, you know, the humongous trade, obviously, for him. You know, he left the Blackhawks. Uh, and that was a move where the Hawks are trying to, to make a push, you know, to, to the playoffs, except Toronto just kind of in the middle of nowhere. And he was, a, you know, mentioned about how, you know, he was a bit frustrated having to leave his hometown team. But, uh, you know, he started off with, with a huge bang and, and, like I said, eventually leading to tying that streak. So uh, it's interesting. I think he kind of mentioned it briefly, too, on, uh, in the broadcast Saturday uh, when they were talking about it, uh, you know, during the, uh, the outdoor game, he mentioned, uh, you know, some points of that streak. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that, that's a, pro, that's the professional Eddie is. And you can see he's a pro on the broadcast. He's a pro as a player too. He could have moped, he could have whined and complained. And, you know, I'm getting traded out of Chicago and going to a Toronto team that hey, is just a dumpster fire at that point in time. Harold Ballard owned the team. He was a terrible owner. Uh, the team was just losing year after year after year, and they didn't get winning again until the early 90s when Cliff Fletcher became the GM and Pat Burns, the head coach. They brought in Gilmore, uh, and the rest is history. They had a couple near misses toward the Stanley Cup final uh, in the uh, early 90s, but in the 80s, they stunk, and Eddie Olchick was one of the bright lights of that Leafs, those Leafs teams uh, in the late 80s. But yeah, Austin Matthews, two games away from tying both Sittler and Eddie Olchick and three games away from passing them for longest consecutive game point streak. At this rate, I wouldn't bet against him uh, getting that record. Uh, next up, we've got Buffalo and the New York Islanders. We've got uh, the Islanders minus 160 home favorites. Uh, the total five and a half, although there are a couple fives out there as well. Heavy juice to the under, about minus 140 with the five and a halves uh, that are out there. I wouldn't argue with the under. The Buffalo Sabres aren't necessarily an offensive juggernaut, even in the win finally got off the schneid a big three to two win for the sabers uh, against the new jersey devils i cautioned everybody on the saturday edition of the ice guys you know new jersey had won back-to-back underdog games uh, as underdogs against the rangers and the bruins and then they're laying a price against the sabers i said look out for this spot and, and sure enough the sabers uh, beat the devils on saturday afternoon just to see the puck go in the net has to be some kind of confidence for the sabers going into this game We'll see. I mean, this is a tricky game. Look, the Islanders are the better team. They absolutely schooled and dummied the Sabres in Buffalo just a week ago with the Sabres coming off their COVID hiatus. You know, they just completely shut down uh, the Buffalo offense. And now back home against the Sabres, I don't know if I trust the Sabres to carry forward that momentum of the New Jersey win. But at the same point in time, normally when a team is on a losing streak and they win that first game, I usually usually like to bet on them after snapping along a losing streak and that confidence usually keeps on going into the next game. So normally this is a spot I would look to bet Buffalo and especially getting a plus price like this, you know, they finally get off the schneid some confidence and momentum to carry forward to this game, but they have not matched up well against the Islanders. The Islanders have shut them down completely. And for that reason, I'm going to stay off this game from actually altogether. I'm not involved either from a total standpoint either. It's a pass for me with Buffalo and the Islanders. Alex, uh, did you get involved in this one? Uh, you know, I'm looking at this one. I'm more than likely going to get involved here with the uh, Islanders here laying the dollar five in regulation. Uh, I'm not going to be laying dollar fifty, dollar sixty with anybody. But, you know, I- I'm kicking myself for not playing Buffalo on Saturday because I, I watched that Devils game. And, you know, I heard some people kind of, you know, kicking the wheels on the devil saying, oh, they could be a dark horse moving forward that, you know, they missed a lot of time. But there's some bad teams in that division that they could leapfrog. And I'm, I, I just don't buy into it. They're just in a, in a really bad spot. It's not that good of a, uh, of a team. And, and Buffalo proved it. At the same time, I stayed away from the game because I don't trust Buffalo one bit either. Uh, they've had their obviously their issues of missing games. But this just this is just a bad franchise. Let's, let's just face it. Now there's more rumblings about, you know, Jack Eichel possibly being moved. Uh, you know, which that's going to, you know, just probably throw a lot of the team chemistry off if he, if he goes, they don't get the right pieces back. 
uh, and and the fan base is probably going to be you know pretty ticked off too. They you know were relying on him to be that guy to turn things around. It simply hasn't been the case. It's not all his fault, obviously. Uh, he's been the guy to chip in more often than not. They just haven't had the pieces around him. The goaltending's been spotty at times. Allmark's been been you know as best as uh, you know anyone can expect him, and as well as anyone has been in quite some time for Buffalo, but. It's still not enough to carry a team. He's not he's not a guy who can steal you games. He's a guy who can keep you in the games, but you don't just trust him, you know, to uh, you know get a win over, over a top ten team uh, on a night where the rest of his, of his teammates aren't, aren't pulling their weight. So there's a lot of issues with Buffalo. So that being said, uh, this Islanders team they're rolling right now. They play that solid defensive style. They can shut things down. They can find ways to score now too. They're getting back to where they were uh, in that momentum last year when we saw them in the playoffs going to the bubble. Uh, if they can get some consistent scoring still, watch out for them. So I like them tonight, minus $1.05 in regulation. All right, Islanders in regulation, minus 105 for Alex B. Smith against the uh, Sabres. Uh, we move on to the Lightning and the Hurricanes. Uh, Tampa Bay, minus 125, road favorites, total six uh, across the board. Two straight losses. That's something you don't say for the Tampa Bay Lightning very often, and yet here we are. Uh, they lost the uh, final game of that three-game set against the Panthers at home. Uh, faced uh, the uh, Hurricanes on Saturday night and not only losing again uh, and losing to Carolina. Look, losing to Carolina is not shocking. That is a very good hockey team, the Hurricanes. They've been excellent at home. They've still only lost the one game at home. That was the Florida game in overtime. So losing to Carolina is not shocking. Getting shut out, this Tampa team getting shut out by anybody is shocking. Uh, A 4-0 loss uh, against the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, give Carolina credit. This is a tough team to go against right now. However, if you're a long-term, this core of the Lightning, you know, Stamkos and, you know, Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, Braden Point, you go on down the list, uh, Victor Hedman on the blue line, this core, I don't think you can, I don't think you need more than one hand to count the number of times they've let a losing streak get to three games or more. I mean, they have been it's been a while, let's put it that way, since this team's lost three games or more after getting shut out by this Carolina team, regardless of whether they win or not, because maybe Carolina's playing that damn good right now. And, and right now, when you see this Hurricanes team, Vic, Vincent Trocek, Sebastian Ajo, Andrei Svechnikov, Nino Niederreiter, Jordan Stahl, I mean, all of these guys on fire offensively, Heck, even Brock McGinn has been moved up to a top-line role with this Carolina team, Alex, because he's producing offensively with Ajo and Svechnikov lately. Brock McGinn is finding the back of the net. So this team is just loaded for bear offensively right now. You always they, They've got a very good blue line. Can they get the goaltending? Can they get it from Morozik when he comes back? And can they keep getting it from the Reimer-Nadelkovich combination? Obviously, that was Nadelkovich, who was awful in the Florida game, that pitched that shutout uh, against Tampa Bay on Saturday. But Rod Brindam, we're not going back to him. It's going to be James Reimer tonight uh, in net for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Look, just out of necessity, it's been a bet I've made the last year or two when Tampa's off two straight losses, and especially when they're off a shutout loss, I usually look to back them, especially if the price is reasonable. Price is not bad. You know, considering like Carolina, you you look at it and on paper and say this team's just rolling and they're a home underdog. I get that. I understand that thought process if you like the Canes here, but the Lightning off back-to-back losses, including a shutout loss to this same Carolina team, I have to look in their direction here. Simple as that. Minus one twenty to minus one twenty-five road favorites, and I'm also going to go with the over. This line of thinking has worked for me in a couple of instances. The first Edmonton Calgary game, rivals. Under the total, what happened in the second game? Flew over the total. Winnipeg-Vancouver, first game went under the total. What happened in the second game? Flew over the total. Montreal-Toronto last Saturday in Toronto, 2-1. to one. What happened last Saturday in Montreal? Flew over the total. Low-scoring first game, two division rivals, two teams that are capable offensively. I like to see it revert the other way in the second game and be more high-scoring. I think we get that here. So I like the Lightning, and I like over six with them and the Canes tonight. Uh, Alex, what do you like here with Tampa, Carolina? Yeah, I played the Lightning last night. It's the, the first game where I've actually played an overnight uh, all season. I you know, usually tend to wait because of how things are going with lineup changes and, and goalie confirmations coming in a little bit later. But like I said, the spot, uh, the screams Tampa Bay, like I said, off two losses, but also off of a shutout. Uh, it, it's very rare that you see them go into a, a bit of a tailspin. They usually 
tend to bounce back and bounce back with a vengeance. Like you said, the last two, even three seasons uh, going back with this core group. So uh, that's the only way I'm looking at it here. Like I said, Carolina, they've been up and down and they've been letting in goals as much as they've been scoring them. So I, I, like I said, I wouldn't blame you uh, at all for taking the over here in this spot. No, I'm going to, I laid the minus dollar 20 with lightning and uh, not in regulation, but just uh, straight money line. I would actually stay away from the regulation possibly because if this does turn into a track right. meet, I wouldn't be shocked at all. The season would be like three, three or four, four going over time. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Alex liking the uh, Tampa Bay here, minus minus one twenty. It's not easy to go against Carolina. They're playing great, but I don't know. Reimer to me has been beatable. Let's not forget yeah. Chicago got him for three goals the other night and Tampa Bay. You think they're loaded for bear tonight after getting shut out by this hurricane team. And the one thing about Tampa Bay, you go back and this year, last year, two years ago when they've been shut out and it doesn't happen very often, they're usually good for three minimum the next game. Uh, they usually put the onus on, you know, getting the offense back on track, working on the power play, which is, by the way, something that they were addressing after the loss to Carolina on Saturday. So I think they'll have a better offensive showing here. Now, I know they still have uh, Anthony Sorelli out. We know Kucherov's out for the regular season, but they've got more than enough weaponry uh, to bounce back after a shutout loss. I think you'll see that here. And like I said, for a low-scoring first game with two teams, Going back to that high-scoring thought process in the second meeting with those same two teams, it paid off for me with Edmonton-Calgary. It paid off for me this weekend with Winnipeg-Vancouver. It paid off for me with Montreal-Toronto. Like I said, last weekend under, Saturday's game against Montreal flew over the total. You know, things open up because then people see low-scoring game, we got to get the offense going. High-scoring game the first game, oh, we got to get things a little tighter defensively, ratchet it up in our own zone. So, it's all about adjustments, especially when you got two teams with familiarity, two teams that are rivals. So wouldn't expect uh, I would expect this game to uh, be a little bit more up and down, open ice, lots of cha trading chances, and I think it gets over the total. Uh, looks like our fel our former colleague here on the Ice Guys, Andrew McGinnis, is in the chat. Welcome in, uh, Andrew. He was one of the uh, uh, colleagues, one of the uh, participants and panelists on this show for a little bit. I uh, hope he's doing well. Uh, we move on uh, to the uh, next game. We've got uh, – uh, now, we did all the 7 p.m. Eastern games, so now we go back up on the rotation board because I'm trying to go in order of uh, start time as well. Uh, we are going to look now at the uh, L.A. Kings and the St. Louis Blues. St. Louis minus 180, uh, home favorites total, 5.5 shaded to the under here in this game. Uh, you know, Let's give the L.A. Kings uh, some credit here finally. Four straight wins for them. Going into Arizona and sweeping the Coyotes was really impressive. We're just talking about an Arizona team that took four or seven in that uh, pseudo playoff series in the regular season uh, against the St. Louis Blues. So, you know, the LA Kings to me, they're, they're kind of like Ottawa. You know, you got to be ready to play this team and not expect you're going to get the two points automatically stepping on the ice. Alex Iafalo has been good offensively. Dustin Brown is turning back the clock and having a an offensive season I didn't expect to see from him out of this stage of his career. Adrian Kempe has been terrific start to finish. The rookie, uh, Gabriel Velarde, is really be, uh, emerging as an offensive talent for this Kings team. Uh, there's lots to like, and they and they work their butt off on, for Todd McClellan. The blue line's been fortified and strengthened with Matt Roy. I never knew Matt Roy was such an important defenseman on this team. They get him back, and I don't think they've lost since. So you talk, everyone talks Drew Doughty, but... Matt Roy has been an integral piece to that blue line. And it looks like the LA Kings are starting to give Cal Peterson more and more cracks at starting in net. And it's the right call. Jonathan Quick has not had a great season up and down. Cal Peterson is the future. Cal Peterson, you could probably say, is the better goalie this year as well. Makes sense to uh, do that. Uh, give him as many opportunities as possible. Uh, and get, make sure you give him the, the rope and the runway that he needs to really establish himself as maybe your potential number one NHL goaltender for many years to come. So uh, it's the right call here. Uh, in terms of who's in net tonight, I haven't seen a confirmation yet from the Kings. Some sites have quick as the projected goalie. It certainly would have me interested in an over if it's him. If it's Peterson, though, I'm not laying this price with the Blues. No way. Uh, coming off a 5-4 uh, loss to San Jose, it just continues to be a just a garbled mess for the Blues, up and down and all around. Not a lot of consistency to their game. And Greg Berube, again, for like the eighth time this season, voicing frustration about his team's inability to string a win streak together. Um, not a team I'm looking to lay a price with. As of right now, no bet on this game for me. We'll see what the Kings do goaltending-wise. It is Bennington 
uh, in net confirmed tonight for the Blues. Uh, Alex, what do you think here? LA, St. Louis. Yeah, if it's Peterson, I would take a shot with the Kings money line uh, at plus 150. They're on a four-game win streak. Like you said, this is a Blues team that's been inconsistent for most of the year. Uh, and it kind of starts with Bennington. We've seen Bennington turn in some some awful starts at times, and then sometimes he can stand on his head uh, and, and bail his team out. But like I said, this is a Kings team playing probably the best hockey they've played all year, probably the best hockey in the last two years uh, right now. And like I said, they're getting some you know solid balanced contribution, uh, and, and they're just picking they're picking teams you know weaknesses. They're not doing anything uh, incredibly well. They're not scoring a ton of goals or getting incredible goaltending and, and, and you know shutting everybody out. They're just doing the, the little stuff right uh, and, and grinding away at teams. So, uh, you know, that uh, plus 150 price, I, I would definitely uh, take a look at them. But I want to make sure uh, it's Peterson and not Quick. If it's Quick, then maybe I'll look for something in-game and probably lean toward more toward the over. All right, next up, Vegas and Colorado. Yeah, we've seen this te- these two teams a bunch. And usually by now, I'm sick of the same two teams playing each other again. You can give me this every night the rest of the season. I think every single Golden Knights Avalanche game the last week, uh, the two games in Vegas – the outdoor game uh, on uh, Saturday uh, between these two teams, which had to be finished after midnight. We gonna finish the hockey game after midnight. We gonna there we go. <laughs> uh, that's when they finished the hockey game the other night after midnight Eastern time. I should point that out. It was 9 p.m. Pacific time uh, in uh, Lake Tahoe. But uh, great games, you know, tightly contested games, back and forth, good chances, good goals. Great goaltending, good defensive play, a little bit of everything with these two teams. And now they'll meet for the fourth straight time. Uh, we've got Colorado minus 135, a uh, home favorite, a uh, total five and a half years shaded to the under in this one. Uh, the under now has cashed in every meeting here with these two teams. You know, all three games have gone under the total. They've been tight, low scoring games. One nothing Colorado three, and two, three, two wins for Colorado uh, in these three games. Nathan McKinnon's end-to-end rush goal Saturday night. Wow. Was that ever something? It's like a vapor trail that he leaves going down the ice and just ripping that shot past Marc-Andre Fleury. With Marc-Andre Fleury going right to left and he shoots it back against the flow. Perfect shot. No chance whatsoever uh, for Fleury. Uh, It's kind of funny because I said this at the moment he scored that goal. You know, McDavid had a hat trick against Calgary. Austin Matthews is ripping up the Habs with two goals, two beautiful shots. It's like McKinnon had to say, you know what? I'm a pretty damn good player too. Don't you forget about me. Don't you forget about me either. Uh, and Connor McDavid uh, did, or sorry, uh, Nathan McKinnon uh, did that with his uh, great end-to-end goal against Vegas the other night. I don't know what you think, uh, Alex, about these three games. But what I've noticed is Colorado just looks better than Vegas. And that's no slight against the Golden Knights, who are a very good hockey team. But to me, Colorado looks a step quicker. Their blue line looks a little bit more mobile. The the north-south moving the puck ability is better on the Avalanche than it is on the Golden Knights. And I'm going to sing the praises of this blue line one more time, as if I haven't done it enough. Devon Taves has been an amazing addition from the Islanders. He shuts things down in his own zone. He knows how to play that way. He comes from that Barry Trot, structured, defensive-minded style. Perfect fit for this Colorado team. Kale McCarr, we know how great he is. Unbelievable skater, unbelievable shot, great vision, great passer, all of that stuff. And good in his own zone. Doesn't get talked about enough. that He's really good in his own end, too. Ryan Graves, Sam Girard, and 19-year-old Bowen Byram looks like he is, you know, other than the, the one of the Vegas goals going off his stick on, on Saturday, he's been terrific. You would think this guy's been in the league for multiple years. He's only 19 years old. Hasn't even hit 20 yet. He's just playing his first like dozen games in the NHL right now. Bowen Byram, uh, he looks like he's going to be terrific in this league for a very long time. Um, you would think Vegas is really, really going to have some incentive here to avoid getting skunked, you know, uh, in these uh, three games here uh, by the uh, Colorado. Actually, they didn't get skunked. Rather, they won the first one, Vegas, uh, against uh, Colorado. But since then, uh, Colorado won the uh, last two. Uh, and uh, we'll see if they can uh, sp- at least get the split here 2-2 against the Avs. But I don't know. I don't want to go against the Avalanche right now. You know, I took them in the, uh, the the second of the two games that was played at T-Mobile Arena. I was leaning toward them on Saturday, but I played the under instead. Uh, but I was not surprised they won that game. To me, they just look a little bit better, and they look a little bit deeper up front too. Like get away from Pacioretty, Stone, and your, you know, your top three, four, five guy, Marcia So, 
on this Vegas team, they don't get a lot of pop offensively from the bottom six forwards from that third and fourth line. They just don't. Whereas Colorado can get that kind of punch offensively from their depth forwards. So I think that's another check mark. You got to give the edge to the Avalanche in. So it's a it's a tough game. I'm certainly not going to lay minus 135 because we have seen an adjustment in the price now on Colorado, but I'm not going against this team. They're my pick to win the cup before the season, and they're looking like a complete, well-rounded, potential cup-winning team right now. Uh, and to think they don't even have Eric Johnson back, who's one of their sturdiest defensemen, their most experienced defensemen, um, and look, they're still going and finding ways to win and playing great hockey. So for me, I'm not going against Colorado. So for that reason alone, lean to the Avs, but I'm going to pass on this game. I would lean under again, but uh, you know, I've, I've cashed a couple unders now with these teams. I'm not going to tempt my fate here in this one. And you worry too that you might get a little, I don't know what it is, fatigue, a little from the outdoor experience, maybe a little more sloppy play could creep into the proceedings tonight. I worry about that a little bit as well in terms of staying off the under. Uh, Alex, how, how do you see this one going here? Uh, Vegas, Colorado, one more time. Yeah, I like to, I'm leaning toward uh, Colorado, and I, if I were to play him right now, I would actually take him on the puck line, uh, minus a goal and a half at plus 180. But I want to see how things start off with these two teams because of how strange Saturday was, you know, having that long, uh, you know, eight-hour delay between uh, the first period and, and then the final 40 minutes of play where you said playing at night. Uh, it's just, that's just a weird kind of situation for, for teams that to deal with. It's not like in the playoffs where you play three, four, five overtimes and it's all continuous having that kind of a layoff and, and going back into it, so you know, kind of make them feel almost like they, you know, played two straight games in a, in a day. And that's something we don't see often. So obviously, uh, you know, it could be some, some kind of weird start to this game where both teams, like I said, the fact that they play until now the fourth straight time, uh, it, I want to see how things play out. So this is definitely one of those games where I'm going to look for something in game, uh, see what adjustments both teams made. But Colorado, like I said, I mean, they won the last two and that one nothing game, they were dominating the pace uh, for most of the second and third period in that contest, they could have easily come back and won. But uh, Flurry was just sensational, made a bunch of great saves uh, to keep them alive. So they could have easily been three straight wins for the Avalanche. And I wouldn't be shocked if they make it four in a row if they can get things rolling early in this game tonight. All right. So a lean here to the puck line for uh, Alex B. Smith with the uh, Avalanche uh, against the uh, Golden Knights. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Anaheim and Arizona. Uh, Arizona minus 150 to minus 160. Uh, home favorites here, total five, uh, shaded to the over. This price has gone up a bit. I do like, I do like Arizona again, even though they kind of uh, robbed me on Saturday against the uh, Kings. They had lost both games to the Kings there, but I'm going to take them in regulation. I'm definitely now with the, with the price where it is now. I am going to go with Arizona in regulation plus 100 for a small bet. But there's a bet I like more in this game, and it's the total, and it's going to surprise you. Here's my thought. Here we have a rare five. And you can't argue that it isn't deserved for the Anaheim Ducks. This has been a miserable offensive team. They have not been able to puck, uh, put the puck in the net. I understand that. But they have the chance, I think, tonight to get a legit spark to their offense. And finally, it's happened. It should have happened weeks ago. But Trevor Zegras is finally called up to this Anaheim Ducks team and is finally going to make uh, his Anaheim Ducks debut tonight. Uh, against this Arizona Coyotes team, long overdue. He's tearing it up in the AHL. Now, I know AHL success doesn't always mean NHL success, particularly immediately at the onset, but he's going to help. You know, and, and he's only 19, but he's ready. You know, he's he's ready. He's been ripping it up, like I say, down there. Uh, absolutely outstanding in, in AHL numbers prior to his call up here uh, with the uh, Anaheim Ducks. And just his just his being on the ice and in the lineup for Anaheim, and he's expected to be slotted in on the second line tonight with Sam Steele and Jakob Silverberg, uh, jo Max Jones, Ryan Getzlaff, Troy Terry, the top line. But they're going to give him top six forward minutes. They're going to give him power play opportunity, and he can legitimately make a difference and get this Anaheim team at least a little bit away from this stagnation that they've seen offensively. Uh, so far this season, I think it's a little bold. And again, when you're looking for, you know, teams to change, not change their ways, but you're looking for these little edges in the course of the season where things can change at, at in an instant. And all of a sudden a team 
that you know the, the total is five in this game because of full season numbers. And based on those full season numbers, the total does deserve to be five in this game with how pathetic Arizona's been offensively. They are right near the bottom with Detroit and Nashville for lowest scoring teams in the NHL. But Zegras being here tonight and moving forward, I think gives them a little shot in the arm offensively. And it's not just what Zegras can bring to the team offensively. It's what he can do for everybody else. He gives that everybody else maybe a little bit more of a willingness to open up a little bit, open the game up a little bit, take some more chances, you know, push the jump into the play if you're a blue liner. You may be more apt to do that now. You see a Trevor Zegras flying around and making plays on the ice. So I think at five, I'm going to be a little proactive here with an overplay with Anaheim tonight. I, I could see Zegras's debut. I'm not saying he's going to score, although I'm always interested when you're talking about a very skilled player maybe scoring a goal in his first game. We have seen that before. Uh, you know, We've seen it many a time, so I wouldn't even talk anyone out of a Zegras goal-scoring prop tonight, but I just think it gives Anaheim a little bit more of a willingness to open up their game a bit offensively. So I like this total. It's, it's a bargain five, minus 130 to the over. I'm going to go with that here in this Ducks-Coyotes game. And, and let's be honest, Arizona's generated chances every game. They haven't always gone in. But all of their high danger chances, expected goals, margin, all of that kind of stuff indicates that this team should be finding more offense than they have so far this season. So I'm going to take a shot here over the total. For the first time, I haven't bet any Anaheim games over. Who the hell would want to? Who would do it? But I'm going to try it here tonight. Alex, what do you think? Anaheim, Arizona. You know, I, I like your thought process going in with this game. Like you said, I think Zegers is obviously going to give, give the Ducks a huge boost offensively, something they need. But I think it's going to take time. I don't see this game particularly being the spot uh, in which things start rolling. You know, like I said, they, they're going to need uh, time to gel with him. But in due time, they will get some more, you know, balance offensively uh, with him in the lineup. That being said, uh, I think Arizona might come out here and score early. Uh, and what I'd be looking at, be, you know, if they can get a goal within the first five minutes, I tried I tried this last night. It didn't work, obviously, because Carter Hart was an absolute mess. But uh, the theory of, you know, an early goal and then jumping right on the full game under live, uh, catching a better number, that's something I might be looking at doing here, uh, especially because the number being five, that, that might jump right up, you know, might even be five and a half. It might go straight to six, uh, you know, if, if there's a goal early enough. And I think Arizona can get that early goal. So uh, if you're looking to play in this live, Look for Arizona to score first uh, or, or, you know, first goal in game and then look for that live live under if they can get it within uh, the first five minutes. All right. So maybe some live betting strategies worth looking at there for Alex with this Ducks uh, Coyotes game. Uh, Claudio in the chat, overall record for me. You know what? It's even break even. I mean, I'm pretty much it's been up and down so far. There's no question. It's right around break even. Although yesterday I had a two and one uh, day. Uh, with the uh, actually two and one with the official, I think the Ice Guys card was uh, more than it was two and one as well. I'm trying to think. No, I had the Washington team total. I had the New Jersey Washington over. I had the Philly Boston under uh, three and one yesterday uh, with that. So yeah, it was a good day yesterday. That pushed me, I think, into slight profit overall for the year. But it's not what I'm. I'm, I'm hoping for better. I want to yeah. be better than it's been so far. It's been up and down for sure uh, for me so far. But uh, like I say, there's lots of season left. It's been one of those seasons where you're adjusting to all this crazy new schedule. Teams are playing each other three, four times in a row. Games are getting postponed. Uh, it's harder to find out good information day in, day out. You know, you're getting these uh, Zoom calls, these virtual press conferences, and coaches aren't really, you know, divulging as much as they have in years past. So it's all an adjustment, but uh, definitely lots of season ahead. Uh, no question. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. If, if for me, you know, my, my plays have been I've, I've dropped a couple of units as far as, uh, you know, plays before game. But I've been stressing the in-game wagering because that's really it's bailed me out on some losing nights and it's added a lot of profit on some winning nights. Uh, I've been on a, a very hot run since the beginning of the year with these in-game wages. And, and like you said, because there's so many variables and changes, uh, it, it's just something you really have to kind of, you know, if you can take the time to do it and, and you have the, the book that allows you to do it, which many people do have nowadays, uh, you know, even just, you know, you don't have to do full units. You can just do core units and half units and still turn profit because you're getting some big, usually some big plus prices that you can cash in on uh, if you find the right spot. So uh, like I said, I, I'd like to be doing better overall, but uh, the, I'm hoping that the in-game streak continues uh, tonight and moving forward. 
80% of my plays now that I send out are half unit and quarter unit. Like I'm, I'm very selective now with one unit and two unit plays, uh, not only in the NHL, but every sport. And I'm kind of glad I've adopted that uh, way because especially in a season like this, where you're hand, you're forced to handicap things a little bit differently than you have yeah. in years past. Uh, and it's definitely a good time to, you know, maybe pull the reins back a little bit in terms of how much you put amount wise on every bet. Right, and and there's a difference between us. I know Ian, you're more of a high volume player. I mean, I'm I'm more meticulous as far as what I would, like I said, what I'll jump in with uh, pregame because, and that's be, been due to the fact of me playing more in game. I like to have, save some units aside to to you know play some game, play stuff in game, uh, and, and not take so much of a hit uh, beforehand. So he like said, you it's it's all variables that you kind of have to balance with, and you have to do what what you're comfortable with, with you know, as far as your bankroll goes. Absolutely good advice there, no question. A final game on this Monday card now, Minnesota and San Jose. Uh, Minnesota minus 150, uh, road favorites here, five and a half the total shaded to the over. Uh, definitely don't feel comfortable laying a buck 50 here with the uh, Wild uh, on the road. Nevertheless, it's been a uh, pretty solid uh, rebound for the uh, uh, Minnesota Wild, though, against uh, the Anaheim Ducks, uh, winning back-to-back -back games and, uh, against them. Uh, definitely positive signs. Kevin Fiala, boy, I mean, if – Talk about Nashville. I mean, some of the reasons they've struggled is they didn't get the Kevin Fiala that Minnesota is clearly getting. Uh, he's been excellent for them. We know uh, Kirill the Thrill, uh, Kaprizov, uh, has certainly uh, had some uh, glimpses of what he can bring uh, offensively for this team for many years to come. Uh, and you got to give them credit. Like, I know it's only Anaheim, but they've still got some key guys out of the lineup that didn't travel. You know, they've got to keep going every game, it seems, with uh, Capo Kakinen. Uh, it was, they wait for, uh, stay on the IR cam Talbot's been in and out. So, uh, and it looks like it's going to be Capo Kakin and in net again tonight for the, uh, Minnesota wild. I saw a funny tweet, by the way, from Gord Miller, who's a great hockey broadcaster. He says, I can't wait for that one game where I can say Capo Kako stopped by Capo Kakin uh, in a uh, hockey game. Uh, if the Rangers ever play the uh, Anaheim ducks. So uh, pretty funny stuff there. from Uh, Gord Miller. Yeah. Tongue, tw tongue twister for a, uh, uh, broadcaster if we ever get that but uh yeah minnesota's playing good and i'm certainly not it you know i'm not a big san jose fan i will give them credit though for really making life tough on st louis in those back-to-back -back games you know took them to overtime in the first game but lost and then beat them 5-4 uh, in the rematch say what you will about the sharks and you can rip them for their defensive play and they should because they're not great at that end of the ice and jones and dubnik are not trustworthy goalies but they can score, and they've got Logan Couture and Kevin LeBanc, Timo Meyer, uh, and company, uh, Tomas Hurdle. I mean, they've got all of these guys stepping up and uh, finding the back of the net for them offensively here. So, uh, like I said, San Jose's been a team I've I've looked toward overs with. I know Minnesota's been three unders, but one with LA, two with Anaheim. This is a game where I think you get a little more pace. The total's only five and a half. I'm not involved in the side, but I did play it over five and a half here, uh, minus. Uh, 115 with the uh, Wild and the Sharks. Uh, Alex, what do you think here with Minnesota San Jose? Yeah, you said the, the question marks in net and, and on defense for San Jose uh, are all, have been glaring the whole year, but like I said, they're getting some offense as well. And this Wild team, uh, you know, they match the style of who they play. They can, you know, be low scoring and get in the trenches with a team like Anaheim. Then they can be high flying uh, with the Colorados and the LAs of the world as well. And I think we're going to see this one be. Uh, more of an up-tempo affair. Uh, I like the first period over here, one and a half uh, goals, minus $1.20. Uh, we've been seeing, you know, Wild have cashed seven of the last 10 to the first period over. Uh, the Sharks 10 and six to the first period over overall this season. Uh, so both of these teams are at the top of, uh, of that number. Like I, said, I think we can definitely see uh, goals going back and forth. So it's a slight lean to the full over as well, but I'm officially on the first period over. All right, like in Minnesota, San Jose, over one and a half in the first period. Uh, Alex uh, B. Smith, he is the first period over. Someone said that in our live YouTube chat. For those of you that may be listening in on, on the podcast, we have the YouTube video and we have a chat going during each show. And someone said Alex is the first period over King. Uh, I wouldn't argue with that, definitely. <laughs> Loves his first period overs. Uh, usually has one on every card. You know, it seems these days, but uh, he's done well with the Minnesota San Jose over one and a half minus 120 uh, in the first period for Alex. And that's going to wrap up the uh, Monday breakdown of the card. I hope you enjoyed the betting analysis. Hopefully we can help you cash some tickets before we get to best bets. We also want to take care of some business and remind you to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. 
uh, sign up for an account. And when you do, use the promo code THPN, standing for, of course, the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, make sure you do that. Download the app, sign up, use that promo code THPN. You'll get sign-up bonus. You'll get weekly specials, uh, incentives, bet bonuses, bet boosts. You'll get all of that available with your DraftKings Sportsbook app account if you sign up using the promo code THPN. All right, best bet time for this Monday, February 22nd NHL card. Alex, what do you like for best bet tonight? Yeah, before I get to my best bet, I want to quickly mention that uh, if you go on the Patreon.com page, you're still a Patreon.com subscriber, I will be updating the goalie charts uh, and, and rankings. Uh, I haven't done that in about a week or so, so I'll have that stuff all updated. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to have some uh, surprises coming up as well, too. That'll be uh, posted on the Patreon page. So definitely check that out. Even if, if you don't subscribe, it, check out there's some things that might be, uh, you know, will be in the free range, but most things you have to subscribe still only 10 bucks a month. And like I said, we're going to have a lot more bonus content moving forward. Uh, hoping to do some live shows as well. But uh, my best bet for tonight, we'll just go back to the game we just talked about uh, with Minnesota and San Jose. I like that first period over. Like I said, the offense is rolling for both of these teams. You know, Capo is is going to start in net for the Wild. He's been solid at times, but he's also been susceptible to letting in some soft goals. It's Martin Jones for San Jose. Like I said, haven't been able to trust him in about two and a half, almost three years, it seems like. So uh, this is a good price, only laying a, a goal and a half. Go wild and sharks over in the first period. All right, Minnesota, San Jose, over one and a half minus 120 in the first period for Alex B. Smith's best bet. Yeah, Martin Jones is coming off his best game of the year, the first game against St. Louis. Uh, but I will uh, take my chances that we don't see a follow up performance uh, from Martin Jones tonight. And uh, putting together two great games in a row for him has been uh, an arduous task for him, uh, to say the least. Uh, best bet for me uh, on this card. Uh, I'm going to go to, um, I'm going to go to, because I'm worried enough about, you know, Carolina and how good they're playing. I'm going to go with the total in that game. And like, I like the lightning too. I think they'll win, but I like the over more uh, over six here, minus uh, one ten. lightning and hurricanes. I think you get the high scoring game. You didn't see Saturday. James Reimer's not been as sharp lately. Bounce back for the uh, lightning offense here. In my opinion, uh, in this game tonight, I think you'll see it. And I think even if they do bounce back offensively, you want to trust uh, Tampa Bay to completely shut down this uh, explosive uh, and uh, terrific Carolina offense right now with the form they are scoring goals right now. Uh, I certainly wouldn't think they're going to completely shut down Carolina either, even if they do win this game. So my best bet is going to be Tampa Bay, Carolina over six minus 110 uh, for Monday, February 22nd. That'll wrap up this edition of the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. A reminder, if you can't watch us daily live on YouTube, we're in audio podcast form on all major uh, podcast providers. And also, Alex mentioned the Patreon page, patreon.com slash iceguys. We have our daily betting card that we announce and unveil on this show every single day posted there for subscribers. That's at patreon.com slash iceguys. So, our card gets posted there every single day after each show. Uh, make sure you check that out if you're interested in that. Uh, for the And uh, another great show. Thanks to Alex for joining me. For Alex B. Smith, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we'll see you again tomorrow on Tuesday. And we'll talk to you again then for another edition of The Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.